Well, hello, we're here with uh, Beth Lynch. She's the museum manager and event coordinator of the Shrine of Our Lady of the Martyrs in Ariesville, New York. So welcome. Well, thank you, Father. Good to be here. Now, I just grabbed you after Father Mitch's show, and I wanted to uh, just do a little blog on the on Blessed Kettery's life. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell us some details about her life and her sure. conversion. Sure. Well, we're we're excited about her canonization because she was born at at Orisville, mm-hmm. right? So she's from the Mohawk Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, her mother was a a captive Canadian native. She was an Algonquin woman who had converted to Catholicism through the evangelization of the Jesuits that were in Canada. So there's always a pious mother behind the scenes. <laughs> yes. yes, God bless these mothers and grandmothers, you know, keep us straight. Um, she was captured, brought to the village that is now Orisville, and she married the chief of the village. So when Cattery was born, um, she had a non-believer, her father, and a, and a Catholic mother of two di- of different warring tribes, the Mohawks and the Algonquins. Um, she, when she was only four years old, smallpox came through the village and killed her parents, her baby brother, mm. and it badly scarred her and almost blinded her. Mm. So or the name that we call her, Tekakwitha, means somebody who gropes around or bumps into things. Because, yeah, because of her poor mm. vision. All the interpretations of Tekakwitha indicate a visual problem. Mm-hmm. So and she was the scarring was was very difficult too. Mm-hmm. So she was adopted by her uncle, who then became the chief of the village. Mm-hmm. Um, when she's only ten years old, the next trauma that hits her is that the French burn all the villages of the valley of the Mohawk Valley mm-hmm. because the the Iroquois continue to make raids on the St. Lawrence River. They're taking captives. They're interrupting the fur trade. And they said, okay, enough of this. And so she's lost everything when she's only 10 years old. Mm-hmm. So at that point, the Mohawks said, okay, let's try peace again. Let's talk peace. So the black robes um, come to the villages. And this is about 20 years after the death of St. Isaac Jogues. All right, mm-hmm. He was one of the eight North American martyrs. He's one of the martyrs killed at Orisville. So that, you know, when we say the blood of the martyrs is the seat of the church, mm-hmm. it literally happened there at Orisville where he died and two others, Cattery's born, and here we are. Um, and where is his body today? Well, we, he was um, beheaded, and his body was thrown into the Mohawk River. Um, his head was put on the palisade of the village, and so we don't know what happened to those bones. Okay. Yeah, St. Isaac um, and St. John Leilan, they were killed 12 hours apart. That's what happened to them. Rene Gapil is the other Jesuit killed at Orisville. He's buried in the ravine on the property, but we don't know where. It's an unmarked grave. Is it true, one of, the, one of those martyrs, too, had a great, I think he was French, and they had a great difficulty with learning the Native American language. Yeah. He struggled with everything about their culture. Yes. That was Noel Chabanel. And he he was a scholar. He was a, a linguist in France. He was a brilliant man. But he comes to this new world, and he just can't adapt. Mm-hmm. He can't learn the language. He can't tolerate the food. Um, the the smells, you know, that those longhouses were 
crowded and smoky mm, and right. dirty and it, there was just nothing about it where he could find solace except of course in prayer mm-hmm. and in the hope that people will be converted and it was so difficult for him that his superiors offered to take him off the missions they said, come back home you can mm-hmm. teach you know you have all kinds of gifts we can use and he thought no if this is his living martyrdom he's going to do it I mean, I remember somebody described it to me that he had written something that suggested that he, you know, he couldn't, he didn't have these skills or whatever to, or he couldn't learn and had difficulty, you know, enculturating, but he wanted to give something. Mm-hmm. So he gave his life, you know, he gave it all. It's a beautiful kind of image that sometimes we can hit that frustration in ministry that I have nothing to give. Uh, but we can always give ourselves, maybe in some deeper way. You know. oh, dear. He, he, as many of the the missionaries at that time, they prayed for martyrdom. Mm-hmm. You know, the crown of martyrdom, because and that's just exactly what you said. You know, to give it completely right. of themselves. Right. And there was a um, a situation where he just missed being captured. I think it was when Brebeuf was captured and tortured mm-hmm. and killed. And he wrote about that. See, I'm not worthy. You know that I would have missed that, mm. and when he his uh, his companion Saint uh, Charles Garnier, another one of the North American martyrs, had told Noel to leave the village. You know there was trouble coming. Um, everybody's going to be back. You know you go ahead and go. And he didn't want to. He wanted to stay, but Charles was his superior, so he left. Mm. And sure enough, the village was overtaken. Charles was killed. Mm. But the very next day. Um, Noel was overtaken in the woods, mm. and he was tomahawked and thrown into a river. Mm. So he was martyred. We have no relics of him mm. either. So, you know, for all that mm. that living martyrdom uh, of those years in the wilderness, just not being able to get it together, right. you know, mm. he did receive the crown of martyrdom, mm. yeah. So back to Kateri, Kateri's uh, yeah. story, what happened next for her? Yeah, so the, the black, so 20 years after Isaac's death, uh, the black robes come back to the Mohawk Valley, mm. and they meet Kateri. She's, Tekakwitha was her name then. Um, she's about 11 years old, never had any catechesis, you know, might have remembered something what her mother told her before mm. her mother died. But they're impressed with this little girl. She has virtue, she has modesty, She has, there's something that attracts them. And she's attracted to them because mm-hmm. she's impressed with their prayer, mm-hmm. their gentleness and their prayer discipline. She wants this. She knows this is something that speaks to her, even as a little girl. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the black robes stay and they build a chapel and she's not allowed to learn the faith. Her uncle doesn't want her to have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. So she's eavesdropping at the longhouses, at the chapel, and she's learning. And finally, um, she's in her longhouse one day alone. Her foot is hurt. She can't go out and work. And one of the priests wanders by, and that's how they came together. Mm-hmm. And she starts learning. And in a really a very short time, she's baptized. Mm-hmm. Um, they would take years sometimes to baptize unless they were ill or about to die, they would Mm -hmm. baptize. But they had to be sure that that they weren't going to revert to their old ways, you know, with the festivities and everything. So she was baptized, I think, within a year or so Mm -hmm. of her uh, catechesis. So she was baptized in Fonda. There's a a second shrine to Cattery in the Mohawk Valley that's right across the river from us at at Mm Orysville, and she was baptized there. So she was um, given the name Catherine, 
and through the translations, you know, we have we've got French and Latin and Mohawk and English, and mm-hmm. it, we know her as Kateri, Kateri, Kateri. There's these different ways to say it. Um, but even prior to that, she was she was different. She was different. She because of her poor vision, the sun hurt her eyes. She wasn't out playing with the kids. Um, she was alone. If she wasn't working, she was alone. Um, she liked crafts. She was good at that. She couldn't stand the brutalities and the ritualistic tortures that were going on in the villages. And so this made her um, different as well, because this was part of, of their culture. There was a reason they were doing this. It took power from the victims into their village. This was a necessary thing to them. And so she was made fun of for that. You know, you're not a Mohawk. You're a weak Algonquin like your mother, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then the other thing that uh, caused a lot of problems for her is that she refused to get married. She didn't know why she had this aversion to marriage. But when they tried to pair her up, she would run and hide. She wanted nothing to do with it. Her family thought she was crazy. Mm-hmm. Who's going to hunt for you? Who's going to take care mm-hmm. of you? We can't do this the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And when she had her conversion... And eventually fled to Canada because of persecution. She met uh, the uh, sisters in uh, Montreal. Mm. Prayer, work, community, um, chastity. And she said, this is what I am. This is what I am. Mm. Finally, she was validated. Mm-hmm. You know, After all these years, since she was a child, knowing this who she was, and no one could explain it. They made fun of her for it. They were angry with her for it. And now she finds a whole other community doing the exact same thing. And that was in Montreal. Yeah. Is this yeah. where she's buried? Yeah. That's right? Okay. Yeah, she, she's buried not far from Montreal um, in Kahnawake. It's a, it's a little village mm-hmm. yeah, near Montreal. So that's where she spent the last few years of her life in uh, what they called the Praying Village. It was a village for natives who had converted. Mm. And she had a, a, a close-knit um, group of women who prayed together, did penance together. They did a lot of works of charity. Um, she received the Eucharist there. And again, that was something that wasn't automatically given to someone who'd been baptized. They had mm. to wait sometimes years, but she, you know, was able to do that. Um, She had a great devotion to the Blessed Sacrament. Mm. In fact, so special was she, and and the missionaries recognized this, that when she was dying, and she had some kind of uh, abdominal pain. We we don't know what caused her death, but it it was an abdominal problem. Um, They brought her communion. They, They brought her viaticum. That was unheard of to bring Holy Communion outside of the chapels. That just wasn't done. And to do it for a so-called savage. Mm-hmm. See, this was just so um, highly indicative that this was a very special sanctified woman. Right. And they rang the bell when, it, when she was dying. The village wanted to be present. Mm-hmm. They wanted her last words. They wanted her... Her last words of advice, you know, people would kind of, Carrie, what do I do about this or that? You know, how can you help me? So they knew that she was a saint. Do we have anything uh, recorded by her that that she said or taught people? Well, her her last words were Jesus and Mary. Hmm. Her last words were Jesus and Mary. Um, We do have some of her, um, 
her, her teaching, her interactions with people from the uh, documents that her spiritual directors kept in Canada. Yeah. Yeah, so those are, are available. Um, I think they're in English. Of course, they were written in French and Latin. Now, was there a miracle at the end of her, at her death? I heard that she had become radiant. Yes, yeah. yes. That, yeah, that was um, very badly scarred from the smallpox, but also just her harsh life and her penance, you know, and her lack of sleep and her poor nutrition. She, her skin was in not good shape. And the, um, the priests that were there with her said maybe 15 minutes after her death, it, totally clear and beautiful. So, yeah, and that, that radiance, yeah. And she was, was it recorded that she was inspired to make a vow of virginity or celibacy? She, yeah, she, she had wanted to do this after she had moved to Canada and, and recognized that there was such a thing. And again, she was saying, no, you know, you're, you know, you're people, this isn't part of your custom. You know, how are you going to really vow this for the rest of your life? Um, there is still a possibility that your family wants you to get married, and she just would not have anything to do with it. Mm. She told the priest, she said, I will live out in the woods and freeze and starve Mm. before I'll marry somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Are you aware or have knowledge about the miracles that are used for a canonization? Yeah, the, the, it's interesting that for her beatification, there wasn't a documented miracle. Blessed mm-hmm. John Paul II beatified her on you know, the virtue, her heroic virtue. There's so many hundreds, maybe thousands of testimonies to her intervention, her um, intercession. So the miracle for her canonization was a little boy named Jake Finkbonner in Washington State who had a flesh-eating bacteria on his face. Mm. And nothing was helping. The antibiotics, whatever treatments they were trying, nothing was helping. And Sister Kateri Mitchell, who's the president of the Tecaquitha Conference, which is an evangelization organization with Native Americans, brought a relic of Kateri to him. See, because Jake is... Part Native American, the Lumi tribe, mm. and he had this facial okay, mm. disfigurement. And so they bring the relic, they start prayer circles for Jake, and he was cured. Mm. He was cured. And Monsignor Lenz, who was the vice postulator for many years for Cattery's cause, gathered all the medical data and all the documentation and processed it through Rome and that's so that's the one that was the miracle was there a reason uh, that it, it's been hundreds of years right she died in 1680 1680 she died yeah and does anybody speculate why now why this time yeah well there's a lot of speculation of course it, it, what it comes down to is God knows what he's doing mm-hmm. um, there there's, you know, the theories of, well, there was so much prejudice against Native Americans. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, God doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, there, were, there were not a lot of canonizations through the 17th and 18th centuries, from what I've read. Mm-hmm. And by the time the, um, the night towards the latter part of the 19th century, towards the end of the 19th century, people were getting very interested in, in Native Americans, the, the Stoic kind of, you know, strong, silent um, uh, type, that, the stereotype that we had. And 
were wanting to learn more, so there was interest in her. And also, in that, that time frame, the late 1800s, is when the Jesuits purchased the property that's now the Orisville Shrine mm. and started the Pilgrim Newsletter, um, tried to push for the cause of canonization for both the martyrs and for Cattery. Mm. So that's when it started in the 1880s, okay. and the martyrs were canonized in 1930, mm. and Cattery was not. Um, she she hadn't even been declared venerable till 1943. And she did. She had a heroic journey right to the Montreal area at Kahnawake. You said, um, "Can you tell us about that?" Right. When it was decided that she had to flee the village at at Fonda on the north bank of the Mohawk, there were um, two. Uh, Mohawks from the praying village who had converted and were living there, and they came to get her. Mm-hmm. So her uncle, um, as we had said, was very against Christianity, a good part of it because people were leaving the village. They would mm-hmm. convert and they would leave. So she was forbidden to, to leave. She stayed about a year and a half after her conversion, or after her baptism. So they kind of scuttled her out with the help of, of the priest, and the uncle, when he came back from his trading uh, with the uh, Dutch in Albany, 40 miles away, mm-hmm. and realizes she's gone, he's very angry. And um, he goes after them. He's got a gun, and he's got ammunition, and he goes after them. And somehow they just kind of cross. You know, he just misses them. Mm-hmm. Um, one story is that he actually interacts with these two guys and doesn't recognize who they are. No, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. so. Um, but and she's hidden, but they do get away. This is in the fall of the year, and they go up um, through very rugged terrain. I mean, through the Adirondacks, um, overland and by canoe, through the uh, the waterways of Lake George and Lake Champlain, up the Richelieu River, finally to the St. Lawrence. Mm. So, two hundred miles, mm. you know. And they get there late fall. They must have been freezing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was her, it was her trail to freedom, and it was the same route that Saint Isaac took when he was captured and brought to Orisville. So it was mm-hmm. his, his trail of torture mm-hmm. was her trail of, of freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Parallel. Yeah. So when is the canonization? It's uh, October twenty-first. It's a Sunday. And how are you all celebrating it in Arisville? Well, we'll have the canonization itself, of course, will be in Rome, and it will be, I think, six hours earlier than, than us. But we'll have a, a mass in the Colosseum at uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. The Colosseum is a huge church. It, it seats 6,500 people. We, uh, I don't know if we'll get that many, mm-hmm. but you know, we expect a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of, uh, several documentaries that we show in the museum about Cattery's life. We have a lot of exhibits about her. Um, there'll be a, a special art exhibit by a, an artist named um, Bob Reynaud from upstate New York. And one of his paintings of Cattery is in the Vatican collection. Mm. So he, he will be there with, with his art. And we have um, a, quite an extensive gift shop, so there's lots of information, books, jewelry, rosaries, all kinds of things as mementos of the day. Do you have any artifacts from her life? Uh, we have uh, relics. We have relics of her, yeah, but actual like clothing or her own beadwork or that kind of thing. No, no. And do you know who's going over for the miracle ceremony? I mean, the canonization in Rome. Any 
dignitaries? Yeah, well, Bishop Howard Hubbard of Albany, he's leading a pilgrimage. There are about 200 people, I think, going with him. The little boy whose miracle made the canonization, he's going with his family. He's about 12 years old now. A, a little, a boy, a young man beyond wisdom, beyond his years, as you can imagine, for all he's been through. Mm-hmm. He went to heaven a couple of times mm-hmm. during this whole process, being in a coma, and yeah, very, very special young man. Um, there are uh, Native Americans, a lot of them going. Um, there's a shrine in Kanawaki where she's buried, and some are going from there. And there's also people going from. Syracuse, New York, which is not far from Orisville, because a Franciscan nun from there is being canonized. Hmm. So we have two women from the Mohawk Valley who are being canonized this year. Is she American-born nun? Yes, yes. Uh, Blessed Mary, uh, Saint now, Marianne Cope. Yeah, she worked with the lepers in Malachi. Yeah, yeah, with uh, Saint Damien, um, not, I think not long before he died, but she was there for a long time. And Blessed Cattery uh, is going, she's the patroness of? Yeah, well, ecology. Yeah, but that's St. Francis. Yeah. 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 So I expect there'll be more. Yeah. You know, I would like to see her as a patron of, of youth. Right. You know, this, she's this wonderful model of charity and chastity, you know, and just being so strong and knowing who she was. And in spite of all the peer pressure, in mm. spite of the culture, which is like it is today, mm. you know, all pulling our young people in the wrong direction. You know, mm. she's one to look to, to stay strong. Right. And she was held when she died? She's 24. She's very young. Yeah, yeah. And also maybe for eye ailments. Mm. You know, she had the vision problem. She had the skin problem. So, you know, we'll see. Any other any other thoughts on the the fruits of the canonization that might take place? Well, the, Cattery is she was a contemplative. Um, she recognized the power and the necessity of prayer, and she was very busy. She very it, this was a harsh harsh life that they had, and they were always out in the field. They're gathering wood. They're making clothes. They're walking through the snow up north to the winter hunts. And I mean, they were busy all the time. We're busy all the time. So we can look to her, you know, for that. You do find time for prayer, and you do it even while you're working or while you're walking or with us while you're driving. Prayer is the key to everything. And her intense devotion to the Blessed Sacrament, too, Mm. is something that that we can look to. So strong was the presence of Jesus in her when she received communion. People would come and sit next to her because they just felt that. And and I, I've I've heard that before with the the children at Fatima, when Jaquinta was in the hospital, and um, Lucia had been to communion and then went to visit her in the mm-hmm. hospital. She said, "Did you receive the Lord?" And Lucia said, "Yes." She said, "Here, stand close to me. I want to mm-hmm. be close mm-hmm. to him." Mm-hmm. See, so the people who under, really understand that presence mm-hmm. of Jesus, they 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 they're comforted by the presence, even if it's in another person. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us. Well, thank you. It's been wonderful. I'm very excited that people are excited about about Cattery. Thank you, Father.